We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 10th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On January 10, 1776, Thomas Paine anonymously published his influential pamphlet, Common Sense. He argued for American independence from British rule. Today in 1861, Florida became the third state to secede from the nation, uh, from the Union. Today in 1863, the London Underground had its beginnings, as the, they called it the Metropolitan. It was the world's first underground passenger railway. It opened to the public with service between Paddington and Farringdon Street. Today in 1870, John D. Rockefeller incorporated Standard Oil. Today in 1920, the League of Nations established as the Treaty of Versailles went into effect. Today in 1967, President Lyndon B. Johnson, in his State of the Union address, he asked Congress to impose a surcharge on both corporate and individual income taxes. Why? Well, he said we have to help pay for the Great Society programs, as well as the war in Vietnam. Today in 2002, Marines began flying hundreds of al-Qaeda prisoners in Afghanistan to a U.S. base at Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. And today in 2003, North Korea withdrew from a global treaty barring it from making nuclear weapons. And we know the rest of that story. That guy is still going strong over there, although there's a lot of uh, rumors and uh, little stories and comments coming out of North Korea. You never know what's going on there. I mean, it's really a lockdown place. But the word that I have seen recently and of several different sources, people are saying that uh, he's getting ready to step down and his sister is getting ready to take over the country. And some say she's more brutal than uh, that Kim is. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But pray for the people who live in North Korea. It's not a great place to be. I was reading scripture earlier this morning, just reading, not particularly in respect to this program that I was about to say good morning to you on. Uh, and I just came across, I was reading, and I came across a couple of verses, and I just felt prompted to share this with you today. I don't often feel that way. I mean, I feel led to do everything that we do on this program. We, we're very prayerful about what we say and do on this program. We take it very seriously. And um, But I don't know, some, for some reason, I just felt prompted to share this with you. I'm, I'm going to it. Maybe this is just for you. I, I don't know, but... Often God works through just comments by other people or things that are said. But uh, there was just several verses that came to my mind, and I, I want to share those with you now. It's for everyone, but there may be someone particularly that needs to hear this, and it may be you. 
In Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Mark 11.24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. These are not my words. These are God's words. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And then there's Philippians 4.13. I would suppose that you have committed this, or many of you have committed this to memory. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That is the word of the Lord, and that is for, for you today. It's for all of us today, particularly. It could be for someone who has a need. So we'll leave that with you and the Lord, and God is faithful. God is good, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Well, the House of Representatives, now that they have finally elected Kevin McCarthy, and there are still some people who are saying he's not uh, conservative enough. I, I would tend to lean that way, to be honest with you, um, based on some of the things he's done in the past. But nonetheless, he is the Speaker of the House now, as I mentioned yesterday in passing. And he did what he said he would do. The House of Representatives voted to rescind first order of business when they when they opened for business. The first order of business was to rescind more than $70 billion in funding to the Eternal Revenue Service, the IRS. They did that last night, fully um, fulfilling the uh, promise that Kevin McCarthy had made that if he were to become the Speaker of the House, first thing, the first action he would take would be to roll back that bill that funded the IRS that Joe Biden's uh, doing. Uh, and, and provided another, I don't know, upwards of 70,000, 80,000 uh, agents. The concern there was, I don't think everybody's trying to dodge the IRS necessarily, but I mean in a negative way, but we there is concern that as the Democrats continue in power, they tend to weaponize every institution and every department of government that they put their hand on when they are in power, and they are in power in the in the in Congress in the sense that they are, have a majority in the Senate and they have a president, a Democrat, uh, in in the Oval Office. So uh, that's a, a great concern because I mean they have consistently used whether it's the the IRS, whether it's the Department of Justice, whatever it is. They, they do weaponize, and, and it's becoming very plain. In fact, there's not even a pretense anymore. They don't even um, try to pr pretend like they don't do that. They do. And the American people are get, catching on to this, and particularly um, conservatives who are informed. So that's what was driving that. I mean, there was great concern that, I mean, they're going to put 70,000 new agents out here and spread across, you know, 48 states and maybe Hawaii and Alaska, um, maybe Alaska in the summer and Hawaii in the winter or whatever, uh, that could be concerning. 
And so this was what was behind this, and it was it was driving this. So they called this bill that they passed last night, Family and Small Business Taxpayer Protection Act, and it was uh, sponsored by Adrian Smith. He's a Republican from Nebraska, and Michelle Steele, a Republican from California. And it passed the House of Representatives. The vote kind of um, – I'm not going to get into this much today, but – the vote was kind of surprising to me, honestly, knowing what we know about and I mean, it's general knowledge. I mean, they do weaponize the institutions and they use them for their own political advantage and their own political agenda. They just do. And everybody's talking about it, but nobody can seem to get get a handle on it on, on the on the right, the conservatives. So <laughs> the vote was 221 to 210. And I found it interesting that the 210 who voted for this, are they somehow exempt from being harassed by an IRS that has so many employees they don't know what to do? So they just go out and kind of go door to door or whatever. You know, I I don't know, but... I don't know what these guys are thinking, but I guess it would be Democrats who see the value of having a beefed-up IRS to do some of their bidding. I don't know. But the legislation will roll back billions of dollars of funding for this IRS-approved uh, in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act last year. But what it does do, and I think this was very wise on the part of those who crafted the bill, what it does do, it leaves in place funding for customer service and improvements for IT services. I guess their computers are ancient. By In terms of IT equipment, that would probably be three or four years old. But no, seriously, I, I guess it's, they're pretty ancient and they need to be upgraded. So it leaves that part in place, but it, it rescinds, it rolls back the uh, part. Now, they got to get this through the Senate and and. I, the, the president could veto it. I don't know that he would, but he would have to. There's some steps that need to be taken. But McCarthy has done what he said he would do, and so they have moved that ahead uh, almost immediately when they convened with a Speaker of the House. According to multiple reports, so yesterday, did you hear about this? Uh, classified documents from Biden's time as vice president have actually been discovered in his private, unsecured office. And they were discovered last November. And nobody knew about it, except a few in government. The same thing that they raided Donald Trump's home, that Mar-a-Lago, that estate that he has in Florida. Just remember all those cars were there. And I mean, uh, you know, like a SWAT team and guys running around with machine guns and uh, and all this at his gate and, and inside on the grounds. Uh, it was the same thing that Biden has. We now know that Biden has done. He had classified. Uh, did he know? I, I don't know if he knew they were classified or not, but they were in an unsecured office. In fact, they were at University of Pennsylvania. They have created the communist uh, Chinese government has given, I don't know, millions, I think 50, 60, 70 million dollars to the university to create for Biden a a Biden, um, kind of a Biden presence there, a study, kind of a think tank uh, thing, which is very intangible and hard to, to really detect what they're doing. They're thinking, I guess. But they have created this for him in his name. It's called Biden something or other at the, at the university. 
But now they find there were just in that there in the on the desk for anybody who's visiting there to look at. And they learned this in November, and we didn't find out as the American people till yesterday. Boy, I thought about that and I thought, what talk about you know talk about unfairness. They go after Trump like he's the the most wanted criminal on the planet, and then they don't even mention it till somebody finds out. One of the organizations that that look into those kinds of things, I forget which one, they found, just discovered this, and it became public, and it was kind of a, yeah, oh, yeah, well, I don't know why this was here. But do you know what the media said last night? I was paying attention to how they reported on this. Most of them didn't. They didn't even mention it. The ones that did, and it was NBC, their national news at 6 o'clock or 5.30 or whatever it was on, on their national news, uh, the way they reported it was that there were a very few documents found in a unused office, and they said sort of passively what it was at the University of Pennsylvania. And then they said, but it was just a few documents as opposed to the boxes of documents that Donald Trump had. So Biden isn't as guilty as Trump because he had fewer classified documents laying on a desk in a room that was a, could be accessed by any number of people. Not the general public, but certainly if there's a Chinese communist there to check out their investment, boy, that's troubling. But you see the, the, the difference. You see that's why America is so deeply divided. There's no, they talk about equity, they talk about equality and all of this kind of thing. There is none of that in today's government. And people keep running around saying, well, we just all need to get together. We can't get together. We're worlds apart. And it's what we believe in our heart. It's about what we really are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's who we are. It has to do with, with morality and values. It has to do with the most fundamental core beliefs of humanity. That's what divides America. So who's going to surrender to the other side? I'm not. I'm not going to become a liberal. I'm not going to become a so-called religious left so that we can all get together. That won't solve anything. It just gives power to the upper, to the left, to the progressives, and the upper hand. This is how it plays out. It doesn't matter whether it's docu documented, um, uh, uh, classified, I mean, uh, papers and classified documents and so on, or whether it has to do with, with something else completely divorced from that. It, the bottom line is always the same. The press is either silent or they explain to you why you shouldn't be concerned about it and not even think about it, or they attack if it's not just Trump, but any, anyone, if you if they attack them, like with a SWAT team, like like it's the biggest bank heist in history or whatever. Hillary Clinton did the same thing. She had all these classified documents on that server she had in her bedroom, in the 
I was going to say the house that she and Bill live in. I think Bill lives in a separate house now or something. But nonetheless, the same was just like, well, I mean, mistakes happen. And she says, well, in, you know, on second thought, I probably shouldn't have done that. I didn't see any police cars around her house. I didn't see SWAT teams going in there in full uniform with machine guns to take those out of her house. That didn't happen. That's the world we live in. Hillary had 33 to about 33,000 emails, many of which were classified in her bedroom. But no action was taken. A lot of discussion, but no action. Very interesting. One other thing I wanted to mention today, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Seattle schools. The Seattle School District is suing the tech giants, the Facebook and TikTok and all that. I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. But uh, before I get to that, Americans are divided about whether businesses should uh, take a public stance on political and social issues. 48% believe they should. 52% say they should not. Gallup uh, released a poll this morning, a survey that they just completed. They said younger adults are more likely than older adults to believe businesses should take a stance, a political or a a moral uh, stance. 59% of those aged 18 to 29 think as much, compared with 51% of those aged 30 to 34, and 41% of those aged 45 to 59, and 43% of those aged 60 and older. So that's consistent with other things that I have read, so it's not surprising, but it's very interesting, and it's very telling. Democrats are most likely to believe that companies should take public stance. Well, the reason they are, and Gallup doesn't really get to this point in the survey. As I read it quickly, but I read all of it. But uh, at least what I saw, they didn't. But they don't really get to this because I, I don't think they wanted to include this in it. I, I don't know what their thinking was. But the the reason that Democrats are more likely to believe that companies like Target and 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 Disney and all of these guys should take these stances that they've been taking publicly is because they they almost always favor the far left agenda, the LGBTQ abortion, uh, or excuse me, um, women's health care, uh, and all of these issues. They always come down on the left side. These big companies are almost always. So of course. They want companies to take a stand because it helps advance their agenda. The Democrats are more likely than Republicans and independents, um, Gallup is saying, to feel businesses should publicly share their beliefs about social and cultural issues. 75% of Democrats say they should, compared with 40% of independents and 18% of Republicans. That is exactly about the way it breaks out. Asian adults and black adults are the most likely of all racial, ethnic groups to believe businesses should take a a public stance on uh, political and social issues. About three-quarters of each group, 74% and 72% respectively, say businesses should take a public stance compared with 49% of Hispanic adults and 41% of white adults. Women, 52%, are somewhat more likely than men, 43% to think businesses should take a stand 
on social issues. I think businesses personally should do whatever they want to do, and I think they should live with the consequences, and I think there should be consequences. So that's my take on that, but I thought I would mention it to you. It's out there this morning. It will shape part of the news that you hear today. That will be a part of it, and it will shape how that company should should be more open and they should tell the public and they'll go on and on and on about it, depending on which news source it is. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning about the public school district, the Seattle public school district. They filed a lawsuit against the tech giants behind uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat. They're seeking to hold them accountable for the mental health crisis among youth. And I have a reason for getting into this, one, to inform you, but I also want you to keep in mind, is this the driving, and I agree with them, by the way, I'll tell you right up front, I think that I think the kids are spending too much time on the screen. There's no question in my mind about that. And I believe that TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat and whatever else I believe that they are manipulating kids' minds and they are driving for, I think, for monetizing more than philosophical, but both. They're driving these kids and the way they think and their thinking, and they're helping to develop their worldview, if you please, about certain products and about certain beliefs. But I, the Seattle Public Schools filed the lawsuit on Friday, this past Friday, in U.S. District Court. It's a 91-page complaint, and I, I, I didn't read it all, but I read through part of it. And um, th- they say that the social media companies have created this public nuisance by targeting their products to children. So they're looking at it from an economic point of view. And again, I agree with them, especially social media. is not Too much of that is not good for kids. It just isn't. Uh, there's other uh, aspects to that, the video games and all that kind of thing. But Could there be also other contributing factors to the spike in depression and suicide among kids? I mean, there is a spike. They're right about that. But they're pinning all of it on screen time on social media. And I've got to think that there's something else going on here that they will never touch because they are the perpetrator. They're one of the main actors, the school district, in this advancement of this whole confusion about transgenderism and all of that. The heart of that movement is in the public classroom. But they are identifying an outside source as the reason that these kids are in the state of depression and and anxiety and so on that they are, and suicide rates have spiked. And they're pinning all of that on social media. I'm not defending social media. And like I said, I agree with this lawsuit, but I also can see what they're doing. And we must be very aware of what, how this, as it plays out, because this will become a national story. The lawsuit blames the tech giants for worsening mental health, behavioral disorders, and uh, including anxiety, depression, disordered eating, and cyberbullying, making it more difficult to educate students. They say they're impairing our ability to educate students, forcing schools to take steps such as hiring additional mental health professionals, developing lessons. This is all from the text of the lawsuit. 
Defendants have successfully exploited the vulnerable brains of youth, hooking tens of millions of students across the country onto positive feedback loops and excessive use and abuse of defendants' social media platforms, the complaint said. Worse, the complaint says, the content defendants curate and direct to youth it's too often harmful and exploitive. And they go on and they talk about Section 230, which I've talked about on this program before. It's a Communications Decency Act, which prevents or it, it, it guards against these social media companies being sued for content that's on their platform. The reason that that's in place, and it needs to be removed, and a lot of people are saying that. I've certainly said that, and a lot of people that are, are in elected office are saying that. But there's not a majority that agrees because these people, in in too many of these people that in elected public service, so-called, uh, in politics, are on the take from these tech giants. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg writes a lot of checks to far-left politicians and to some Republicans as well. And so they're kind of hesitant to abolish that Section 230, that Communications Decency Act. But that needs to happen because the reason that was put in place in the first place, it was a carve out so that these fledgling little, you know, social media companies, and they were when they started out. I mean, they were nothing. And the government wanted, and probably wisely so, they wanted them to succeed because they could see the value of the Internet. And there is value there. But it's kind of a Frankenstein thing. The scientist has created something that's going to kill it if, if it doesn't if it isn't addressed. So the Seattle schools are not addressing the bigger issue, but they are putting all the blame of the chaos in the classroom on social media. So please don't misunderstand. I'm not supporting social media uh, and particularly in an overdose for- form. But this uh, um, lawsuit argues that the plaintiff is not alleging defendants are liable for what the third parties have said. The lawsuit says defendants defendants affirmatively recommend and promote harmful content to youth. In other words, they're saying we're not suing them because of what somebody said on the social media. We're suing the, the social media companies for what they are doing themselves in manipulating how the thought processes of these young kids that are spending, some studies say, as many as 8, 9, and 10 hours a day on screens, on social media, and and video games as well. But uh, that's happening. We'll see how that plays out. It will be a national news story. There's no question about that. And I think... The, I think the intent of, of the school district, I don't know, but Brent Jones, the Seattle school superintendent, he said young people everywhere face unprecedented learning and life struggles that are amplified by the negative impacts of increased uh, screen time, unfiltered content, and potentially addictive properties of social media. And that is true, but that is not the main reason that kids are suffering anxiety. It's part of it. The other part is they are being fed by these very schools that are that have filed this lawsuit, they're being fed this nonsense. It's demonic about how that because they're born a boy, they're not a boy. And I mean, these five-year-old kids are being introduced to this. And I don't know if this is a deliberate cover-up so they can be addressing, quote, the issue while not really addressing the issue. I don't know what their thinking is, 
but I know what they're saying, and what they're saying is a half-truth. I mean, it is true that there are problems, and kids are having increased mental and anxiety issues. But is it all social media? They're suggesting that it is, and if they can get their way and win this this lawsuit, then it will solve all the problems. I wanted to make you aware there's a lot more to that. In fact, I wrote an article, quite an extensive article on it today on our website, faithandfreedom.us. You can read it there if you want. There's links to other information about this. But I think that's what's going on. I wanted you to be aware. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow.